Good morning. You're so quiet. Oh, happy Easter. How are you? Good. You all look so great. I love it. Um, I'm Ryan Grable. I'm the lead pastor here. If you are new here, I normally never, never wear a suit. So just don't feel the pressure that you have to live up to this standard. Don't worry about it. But once in a while, I get to dust it off. Okay, well, um, you know, we're here to celebrate Easter, and man, uh, I've been looking forward to this day. Um, I said this last week, last uh, service, but like since last year, like this is the, the, the time that we really get to honor and celebrate what Jesus has really done. You know, the, every church, I believe, hopes that they're going to reach people with the gospel. That's our hope here today. They want people to know the truth. They want people to experience what they have experienced from the resurrection. And it's kind of interesting because I think every church, like whether it's perfect or not, takes their very best attempt to try to reveal the gospel in a different way or welcome people into their church community. I was looking at a few ways churches do it, and um, I do think it's interesting because I think this. Uh, some people try, and they, and they take a good attempt at it, and there's a couple of churches where it's like, oh, man, you could really improve your messaging when it comes to reaching the lost. I saw this sign I thought was really interesting. I didn't know what to think about it, but I thought it was like... Um, welcoming and insulting at the same time. <laughs> I was watching these different videos of church Easter services, and, and uh, I, I was uh, quite blown away. They, they tried so hard. I mean, uh, this church uh, that I want to show you, a, a screen grab I, I, I took from the video, they desired so much to, to show Jesus real to people, but they, they really exposed Jesus in the wrong way. And in the video, he just kept turning and turning and turning, and he kept trying to cover. It was not good, but they tried to show people, like, to imagine what Jesus would have been like. Sometimes in a service, a pastor will try to bring an illustration that will blow people's minds, you know. And, and, and thankfully, uh, none of mine have gone too terribly bad, but I was watching this video of this pastor, and he was trying to, can you put this one up here? He was trying to give an illustration of what it, what it meant to be, uh, uh, to die, and then to come and a lot, live in Christ. It, it's, it's not a great example. I don't love the coffin. It's kind of strange on stage on Easter, but, but he got in there, and I was watching the video, and he couldn't get out of the grave. It fell over, and then he hurt himself. They had to close the service. He tried. He went for it. It just didn't work out that way. And um, some churches want to really, really kind of go over the top and sometimes a little extra biblical uh, that might not be in the narrative just to really show the power of resurrection. Uh, This church went a little too far uh, with uh, poorly placed pyrotechnics. And so if you could, they actually burned the tomb down. And it's fascinating video to watch because what I love about uh, uh, churches is, is at the end of the day, we're going to get the gospel communicated even if this set is burning down. This guy here picks that piece of fire up right there, that wood, and runs it off stage. I'm like, I don't know where you're going, but you have a flaming piece of wood in your hand. And then they put it out. But you know what I was shocked by the whole video? They never stopped the performance. It was unreal. 
I don't know how you do that. They wanted to communicate what happened at resurrection. And so, you know what? Maybe every Easter service isn't perfect, right? And maybe everyone just doesn't go just right. But I tell you what, when the gospel is preached, it will always find its way to a wanting heart. I guarantee in each one of those services, somebody resonated with the truth. Somebody who's been searching and they want to find the truth. It may not be perfect, but you know what? It is the gospel and it reaches every heart. And you may not have been perfect when the gospel reached your heart. And most likely why it did is because you realize you are not. And you need salvation. You know, as a non-Christian, I would sit in these services like this. And uh, many, many, if you were raised in church, you know what I'm talking about? Like where you're like, we have to go to service. You know what I'm talking about? If you were raised in that. And then I would be year after year after year after year in Easter services. As a non-believer, I ask these types of questions. And maybe you're asking that. Why are people joyfully singing? Why are people celebrating this experience that happened thousands of years ago? I don't get it. It, it like didn't click with me. And it's interesting because I chose to uh, live my life a very specific way that actually led me to ask, ask some different questions at another service I was at. I wasn't asking, like, why are these people so weird? You know, these people. That's what I called you all, these people. I started asking very, very different questions, and Easter, I think, meets us with those big questions. And there's not a human being alive that isn't asking these questions at some point in their life in a very deep, deep way. I was asking these types of questions that day at an Easter service, uh, very different questions that the gospel met me with. Is this world going to get better? Uh, will it change? Will I ever be able to change? You know that feeling of like, why can I not change? Should I be happier? More fulfilled? Or is something missing? That weird feeling that you have. Why am I even here? Types of questions people ask. What's my purpose? What, 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 what does it all matter anyways? Do I matter? Why, who am I? I think, I, I used to think like something's off. It's like fulfillment is at arm's length always. Something seems to be wrong. I feel like I, I was wandering through life lost. And I kind of started wondering, if this is this how my life is going to be? That's where I was at that one service, the day, I think, when the, when the message of the power of Easter, the power of resurrection hit me. I asked a bunch of different questions that was met with an answer to those questions. Now, I get it. Sometimes we don't want to ask those questions, and sometimes we don't want to know the answer to questions. I'll just be straight up with you. I would never or try never to ask my wife if I'm gaining weight. I don't want to know the answer. I don't want to know the truth, right? Some of us will avoid answers to questions. Now I know she has a 50-50% chance of lying to me. She will be like, he probably doesn't need to hear the truth. So I'll tell you. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there? But if I asked my kids, it will be 100% 
they will tell me the truth. They will give it to me straight. And even if I'm not asking them, they will tell me. Do you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Amen. Amen. That's right. I, I, I do promise you this, though. Like, you do want to know the answer to the questions you've been asking. You do want to know them. You do not want to go through life wandering this world, asking those questions for the rest of your life when there is an answer. Resurrection reveals where you find these answers and where you don't. Where you find them and where you do not. You don't want to be searching this life looking in places where something isn't found. How long do we want to do that? I, I've talked to a lot of people over the years who have been searching in places where there's nothing there. And it's heartbreaking because it leaves you with a lot of loss. It leaves you with a lot of disappointment. It leaves you in a place where you started in the first place, right back where you were. You know, the Easter story, which I'll read in a second, it's interesting because we kind of read through it really quickly. If you, if you read the Bible often, you can kind of get a little bit lazy. Do you know what I'm talking about? You'll read it and you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this. And you'll, you'll kind of fill in the blanks as you go like, yeah, skip, skip, skip. Nobody does this. You're just such good Christians. I, I, I will do this sometimes. And I was reading this the other day, and, and it, it hit me because I realized the, the lead has been is buried in the story for me, and the lead stood out so much. Luke 24, 1. This is Easter morning, and this is what Luke uh, uh, had accounted about. But on that First day of the week on an early dawn when they went uh, to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. People going to continue to prepare his body for burial transition, essentially. And when they went in, uh, sorry, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And we do not know whether the stone was rolled away so they could come and see or the stone was rolled away to Jesus' exit. We do not know. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord. While they were perplexed about this, two men standing by in dazzling apparel. Now, when you hear this, these men weren't just dressed fabulously, right? This means an angelic presence is there, and they reference it later. And they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, here is the buried lead. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he's risen. Remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men or sin itself and be crucified and on the third day rise. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? I want you to think about that thought. This will be the thought and the question to ask. Why do I continue to look for the living amongst the dead? It's a small statement, but it's extraordinarily profound. And it's the question that all of us are confronted with in the moment where we are going to meet Christ or we will not. Will we continue to look for the living amongst the dead? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. I thank you for um, every person who has joined us to celebrate your resurrection. I thank you for those who are here asking those big questions who haven't found quite the answer, God. And I pray that if today is that day, that that question is answered for them. And God, we just thank you that you are renewing this world, changing this world, and you have saving this world. 
through the power of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if I look at this world now, I mean, you can only turn on the news for like 10 seconds, and you're like, oh my gosh, we need peace in this world, right? It's like the number one answer that every beauty contestant says, right? How do you th what do you think the world needs? Peace, right? And then they go on. Everybody knows that this world needs peace. It feels like it's in turmoil. But then go all the way to your very self and feel like what it feels like when you're not experiencing peace. It's a horrible experience. It almost feels like it's contrary to what it would feel like to thrive or to feel alive. Everybody who experiences peace experiences its ability to help you thrive. I'll give you some examples. When you're experiencing peace in any scenario, trust grows. This is good stuff. Love grows. When you're experiencing peace, generosity grows, patience grows, kindness grows, love grows, stability grows. All these things grow out of what? Out of the experience of what it means and feels like to have peace. And this is this promise that we're given to experience that peace on Easter. You know, it's interesting how countries posture with each other, and it's interesting how wars developed and continue, and we're seeing them now. And during the Cold War, there was this phrase that came out, and it was set, and the phrase was, Let's, we want to bring peace through strength. Now, peace through strength is not really peace. I don't know if you have realized this or know this. And it's not bad. I'm not saying that this is how the people just decide to run the government. That's fine. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying that it's not really peace if it's through strength. What that really means is if you pick fights, we'll end those fights, so don't pick fights. Does that make sense? That's peace through strength. And I think when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to Christ, when it comes to God and his peace, he doesn't bring that type of peace, and he surely doesn't bring it in that way. He is Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And that's what he brings to every person in the Easter experience is peace. And now I'm going to explain that in a little bit because I can't, I can't talk about peace with the way that we think of peace and how it's been defined, right? Peace is just a standoff. Peace is just a, okay, let's just disagree, agree to disagree. That's not necessarily God, the, the peace that God brings to this world. I titled this message, Life and Living. And, and I'll explain those in just a minute, but how we experience life in Jesus through his saving love and unshakable peace, that's what that is. We'll experience living through the, through the unshakable peace that he brings because he gives us life. Uh, in the biblical language, the word for peace would be a word called shalom. And, and, and we would think of shalom as like a, a greeting in a way, but it means peace. And, and it's not the way we describe peace. Because when you look all throughout scripture, when they experience shalom or he invites them into their shalom or he brings them shalom... It's a very different experience when it comes to God. Um, and, and, and also, the only way that shalom seems to come post the fall is when saving happens, when God saves and then brings shalom. And saving, the word would be sozo or save. It's a, it's a, it's a holistic piece. Your whole life 
You flourish in that peace. And it really ultimately comes through a restorative salvation, sustainable salvation, and a perpetual salvation, the past, the present, and the future saving power. And we deeply, deeply all want shalom. When I was that little grunge kid, just so wanting to be like Kurt Cobain. Some of you who don't know who that is, he was a guy who started a genre and wore used clothing. It was incredible. And I was just following the message. I was searching for a way of happiness and in my own way of peace and finding fulfillment. I was searching. We were all searching for shalom, peace. It's what we deeply desire. But you know what I found? Just like what I experienced is we, we tend to think because Shalom comes through some way of a rescue or a salvation, and it's brought, we're brought into peace. And I was looking for that in very low-level saviors. And if you know what I'm talking about, you've been there, where it's like, that's not it. I thought it was it. Now I'm going to move to this. That's not it. I thought it was this, and I moved to this. And it's kind of this thing where we go, well, we're searching essentially for truth in lies. There's nothing there. We're looking for truth. It's not there. We're looking for hope in, in very hopeless places, right? I think that we're looking to see when it's, it's dark, thinking we can find light, security on very shaky ground, sin or salvation even in sin itself, identity and human constructs, and I think life and dead things. But we are always left wanting. We're always unsatisfied. It never meets the mark of that deep desire being an image bearer of God to, to experience shalom, right? If we realize it, and we think we fixed it, and then it's a low-level savior, and then we repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat until a point when we finally will go, enough is enough. You, you have been there. I have been there. We do the very best that we can with what we know until finally then we know. And that's what resurrection really is about. <clears throat> Listen, I don't believe that salvation isn't powerful, and, and will. Uh, I don't believe it will not. I don't believe it will not change your life. It will change your life. I believe it is real. I believe it because of my own experience, and I believe it what I've seen through thousands and thousands of people. I think a lot of times we just think like, is this it? Is this one of those low-level saviors? Is this just a thing, a crutch or whatever? Is this it? But then the power of Easter is that, that, that it actually is it. It brings you into the shalom of the universe, of heaven's song. It brings you there. That's the power of resurrection. I get it, though. Like, I'm a little bit of a sucker. I, I don't know if you're like me, but anytime mail comes, I get excited because I, I open it, and I am the worst. I will open stuff. And you know all those, like, little tricky things? Like, oh, this is from the IRS. Do I get money? Do you know what I'm talking about? Those little scams. I'm a very skeptical, skeptical person. I, I am. But when it comes to the mail, I am a sucker. Like, I open it up. I'll put it all on the table, and I leave it on the table. And that way I can show my wife that, uh, that look, we're, we're getting some money. It looks like money's coming. Does anybody do this? And I'll leave it on the table, and then I'll come back downstairs, downstairs and I'll see that it's in the trash. And I'm like, you throw that away? That's so... That could have... I'm not allowed to get the mail anymore. 
it's bad. I, I do think Easter offers something that when you do open it, you will find actual truth. You will find the answer you're looking for. It will not be another false promise. Easter is a lot more than an empty tomb. If it were just based on that a tomb was empty, then the story we're reading a little bit, these people would have believed. But it's more than that. It's a lot more than just a cute little story that happened a long time ago that we all get around and rally around and remember how great it used to be. It's a lot more than that. It's about resurrection. It's about seeing Jesus as resurrected, real, for who he is, as he is. But if we don't, just like me, service after service after service, sitting there, I just continually went back to seeking the living among the dead. And that is the promise of Easter, that that end, that search can stop. Uh, two profound truths of Easter, and we'll go through them just really quick, and I think they're very, very important to know. And I think everyone should, should hear this and feel very heartened about who God is and why, what he has for us as his people. One is we experience shalom on Easter. That's what Easter is about, to bring you into right relationship with God, to bring you in with the rhythm of heaven and creation, to bring you in, I know this sounds very hippie, but to bring you in the grain of the universe versus continually being against the grain of the universe. How about that, huh? The definition of uh, shalom, biblically, um, these are a few pieced together parts, but uh, in its whole, it, it is what it is, which is shalom is, it is fill, it's, it's filled with a complete and perfect peace and full of well-being, health and life, prosperity and life, and peace of mind and of spirit, and it's upon you. It's God's way for human flourishing. I don't believe that is an empty promise. I believe that that is exactly how God created this world to be and created human beings, his image bearers, to participate in it. There's a verse that really I, I was reading the other day, and it stuck, it stuck out to me. And it said, oh, this is what it's like to be disjointed from shalom. It's very interesting. It's in Jeremiah 8-7. It's so simple, but it, I think to me it's very profound. Even the storks in heaven, God is saying this to his people, even the storks in heaven know, uh, in the heavens know their time. And the turtle doves, the swallows, the cranes keep the time of their coming. They instinctually know and follow their migration pattern because it brings flourishing to them. They pass on. They continue to live. But listen what he says here. But my people, they know not the rules of God. They have lost their migration pattern. They are not in tune with God's creation the way it was meant to be. You know, I, I, sometimes when I read that stuff, I think, well, what, what, what about these laws? What does that matter? Why do these scriptures matter when it comes to shalom? Why is it Jesus, the way he lived his life, by the way, incomplete shalom, bringing shalom everywhere he went. Why does that matter? Why does resurrection, what does that all have to do with shalom? Well, I'll tell you, I, I just briefly want to cover thousands and thousands of years of history in just a few minutes. Is that okay? I think I can do it. 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He established this world. Now, if you want to look at the majesty and the beauty of God and what it looks like to be in complete shalom, you need not look any further than watching what happens around this world when it comes to the world caring for itself. All the animals God's created, all the, 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 the plants he made, how they repopulate, how things happen, how this ecosystem works. It's unbelievable in, in its rhythm, back to the migration thinking. The other day I was watching from the, from the space station, they, find, they have seen that the very sands of the Sahara Desert are carried across the planet through, through drafts that actually give nutrients to the soil in the Amazon. That is a very good idea of shalom. Very much in rhythm, very much the way God created it to be, and then mankind decided it wanted to be like God, and mankind lost its way. And so we know the story. It, it devolves from there, and then God promises to bring back a, a hope, or at least hold back a hope for humanity one day, and that's the promise of Abraham. And if you read his story, he experiences levels of shalom, flourishing, thriving, right? Establishment, but not fully. And then that remnant gets captured by the very powers of this world and is put to slavery, and then God rescues his remnant and establishes them. What? What does he do? He gives them his laws. And then he gives them a way of living because all they knew to do was to make bricks. And now God gives them a way to thrive. And it's hard, but it's, it helps them thrive. And then they fall and return and fall and return because it's almost impossible to live in God's perfect shalom. And our own, and our own will, and our own skill. And so then they decide, we're had enough of this. We want a king, someone else to rule us. God, we're good. <laughs> I don't need to live by that as much anymore. And then they give him a king, and then they rise, and they fall, and they rise, and they, God rescues them and returns them, and then they get out of their migration pattern, and they come back again. And then Jesus comes to actually live shalom, live it well, to live a sinless life, offer his life, and then in the pain and uh, the death of sin that began in the beginning that created a, created a overall, over, overall condition of humanity Christ paid it on the cross and then resurrection and then we're here now I just caught you up <laughs> you think about it but we're still still talking about Easter and we're still preaching the gospel because people are still going around looking for life in dead places. And so that's why we just continue to preach until that day comes. God made a way for shalom through Jesus to experience that. The answer to all those questions that we have. And it's not only peace all around us. It's peace for you personally now where you're at. Listen to this. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, Jesus says. My peace I give to you. Now, what kind of peace did Jesus have? Shalom. He gives that to you. Not as the world gives you it, but, but uh, as, I, uh, as I give it. But let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is an unshakable peace. And then, at the end of the day, there is a forever peace. So you have peace now, and you have the promise of peace. And it's in Revelation 21. It's where 
We were seeing the throne room and God is saying, all tears, all fear are wiped away. And behold, I'm making all things new. Peace forever, now and forever. That is what Easter is about. Shalom. The second thing is salvation arrived on Easter. This was a way that was no other way. This is the rescue. Have you ever needed to be rescued before? At a low level from a conversation you didn't want to be in. And your friend's like, oh, excuse me. And you're like, oh, thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you needed it so bad. I talked to somebody the other day that was trapped in an elevator for 10 hours. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I thought that was only on, like, movies, like, speed. I didn't know this happened to people. And she's like, yeah, I don't have a great landlord. And I'm like, what? There should be charges brought or rescued from false imprisonment, rescued from a bad job, and the call came in. It felt like rescue, rescued from a car wreck, from financial ruin. Something happened. Someone came. Someone changed it. And for many of you who are single, rescued from a bad date, you get that phone call. You're like, thank you for calling me. Jesus, I thank you too. Like, there's rescue. When it happens, it's a relief, and it's an, a, a, an opening to something better. Scripture defines salvation or saved as, like we said, sozo. But let me read it to you. God's deliverance, this is to be saved. Deliverance from those in a situation of need from that which impedes their well-being, resulting in the res restoration to wholeness, shalom. Shalom through God comes through the saving act of Jesus. We can experience pieces of it. We will. Wisdom is, it, it leads us in the direction of experiencing shalom. You can read the Proverbs and go, oh, yeah, shalom, not shalom. You see it back and forth. Or you could call it good and evil you know, bad or good, but it's shalom, not shalom. This helps me thrive. This doesn't. But what Jesus does is gives you so much more than just that. Uh, we become part of the, the song Heaven is Playing. Uh, salvation, not only that, is just at a micro level. It's, it, it's as personal as that, like your personal salvation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's as personal as it is to just you sitting right there in your chair. But salvation isn't just left there to bring shalom. It's to all of creation, as grand at a macro level, to reclaiming it all. Paul talks about it, that creation has been groaning, he says in Romans 8, desperately waiting to be saved, because against its own will, it was taken captive. Salvation, though, you have to know. To experience the shalom, it comes through the salvation of Christ, to be brought in right relationship, in rhythm with heaven. It comes through the saving name and the saving power of Christ. But I'll tell you this, salvation meets your faith in Jesus' resurrection. Salvation will always meet your faith in the belief in the power of the resurrection. It will never leave you abandoned or wanting. I'll finish with these last two verses, but as uh, uh, the...
they've discovered the tomb and it's empty and people are like trying to figure out like what happened did somebody take his body did did what happened like uh, did did he really die people are trying to understand at the time imagine what's happening the city has gone wild all right and they are it, it is literally quite a scene that Jesus is being crucified and then buried but you know what's interesting all those people we have to remember this all those people, when Jesus died on that cross, their faith died on that cross. I know we don't like to think about it that way, but their faith died on that cross. He told them who he was. He reminded them what was going to happen, but it didn't matter. They didn't quite see Jesus. They were still looking for a Savior in their minds, in dead things, in their ways. And there were these two travelers, two disciples, were walking out of the city on the day of resurrection. And they're talking about what happened in the city. They're like, oh my gosh, can you believe that? It's unbelievable. we got to get out of here. I don't know if they're running or if they're just going back to work. I'm pretty sure they're running. <laughs> they're like, we're next. we got to go. And they're on their way. <clears throat> and they're saying like, yeah, like, even the, 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 I heard that there's this tomb that's empty, right? But the tomb empty, the idea of it didn't even bring faith to them, it didn't bring salvation to them. It had to be something different. can't just be the acknowledgement of that. So we got to pick it up because Jesus is walking along, alongside. They don't know it's Jesus. And they're having this conversation. And Jesus is like, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, you don't know. You just came from there. You don't know what happened there. Have you been living under a rock? And then they begin to explain to Jesus about Jesus' death. And they're like, okay. Um, so anyways, this happened. He's like, really? Unbelievable. Like, it's like a crazy, weird scene. Jesus begins to tell them, did you read the scriptures? They still don't know he's Jesus. And I think it's this way for a reason. Because they needed to understand what Jesus was teaching the whole time. Is that everything is directed to this moment. And let me show you that. So he begins to unpack scripture to them. And then here we go. And they were drawing near to the village in which they were going. He acted uh, as if he was going further. Very interesting. Because this is how Jesus works. You can, you, can be, he can, you can feel like something's happening, and you can continue to go. And, and, but like something's speaking to your heart to respond to this Jesus or, or this Savior ready for you. But he'll keep going. But here's what happens. They say this. Um, he actually was going further, but they argued uh, uh, him strongly, saying, stay with us, for it is uh, toward evening, and the day is now far spent. How interesting. In, in that culture at that time, it was very, very rude to invite yourself over. Now, that's not our culture now. I, I can't tell you how many times I've invited myself to something. Like, oh, are you going to eat? You, you didn't mind if I join you? And they're like, sure. Right? It's weird we do it. I probably should stop. Actually, I, I need to stop. I'm done. It will not happen to any of you. Uh, so Jesus is uh, walking by, and then they ask him. And what was tradition then was when you're invited to turn it down at least three times. And then by the third time, it was like, all right, I'll come. Now everybody loves that, right? It's like, all right, I'll do it, right? So, but it was their thing, but they had to really want him to join him. And then so uh, he went in and he stayed with them. And when he was at the table, he took the bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it with them. Interesting. They're hosting him, but he's hosting them. In verse 31, 
Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished in their sight. Now there it is. Once they saw him for who he was, whatever happened in that bread breaking, it clicked, and that was the resurrected Jesus. It wasn't that they knew the tomb was empty. It was when they encountered the resurrection Jesus, and their life changed. Revelation 3.20 says this. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Meaning, I will come in relationship with you, but I will knock, but you, you have to open. You have to invite. He will never force his way, and he never did that with me. It was at the moment when I said, I'm opening the door. And they go on, and they say something interesting. In, in verse 32, didn't our hearts burn while he was talking to us, while he was unpacking the scriptures? The, the, their heart was responding before their eyes could respond. Does this make sense? The, their heart was, something was happening. That happens with us now. Where the Spirit is speaking to us, but it, it's something here. But we're not seeing Jesus like on that little image I showed you of him ascending with his um, legs hanging out. No, Jesus, you're not seeing him in that way, but your heart is seen first. And that's what they did. They experienced Jesus. Uh, they had an encounter with the resurrection. Their heart felt it before their eyes could. And even just so you know, Jesus told Thomas, who said, I will only believe if I see. Jesus said, oh, it would be better if you didn't see and believed. And that's where we're all at now. Believing because our heart is burning. When I sat in that room that morning, uh, or I think it was like evening, and I was at a moment of I needed answers to those gigantic questions I was asking. And I had been looking for life and dead things too long. I, I remember that moment because it was profound because I didn't see Jesus. I hate to disappoint you. But my heart was burning. And that was my sight. And I invited him in. And I experienced the resurrection that day. But you have to know this. God always hears the response of a voice of faith calling out for salvation. All throughout scripture, God would hear their voice and respond in salvation. Save and shalom. And that's what resurrection is about. Romans 10, 13, 4. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is what it is. When you call out, God will hear you, a voice in faith. In need of salvation, desiring shalom. Can you guys bow your heads? I, I, I really want to... Speak to us all and then speak to a few. There are people here who have been going to church your whole life, have chosen to respond uh, to Christ's call, but invited him in and you've been living your life and, 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 and feeling the experience of shalom now and, and hope in its future promise, shalom forever. Um, and I want to t encourage you, and I hope with this message that, 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 that reminds you how important that moment was for you. And there are those here and, and who have experienced that moment, and, and we see it so often in our life, we'll continue to go look for dead living 
amongst dead things. And I don't know why we do it. I think there's just so many things that can pull our hearts that way or we get disheartened. But we go, no, 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 no. There must be a low-level Savior here again that will save me. And we go right back to where we were. And we keep looking in the same places with the same results. But yet, you possess salvation. But still trying to find shalom in these dead places. I want to encourage you. To, to stop the hunt. There's nothing there. It's never been there and you forgot that it wasn't there. As much as it promises to you, it is. It's not. And I want to tell you just to stop and return to the moment that you experienced the resurrected Christ and you remember the moment of shalom and you live out of that. And as you live out of that, you will experience the things you were searching for that came to nothing. Please return. Don't waste your time. It's the same every time. And you know what I'm saying is true. And there are those here who have never experienced shalom. And I, I want to give you that opportunity to do that now. I sat through too many services and I was like, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks until I asked the big questions and I needed an answer. And if that's you in here, I promise you what you're searching for is in the resurrection. It's in God's shalom. I think we know it. I think it's in every culture, every religion searching for it. Everybody's searching for it to be a part of, of, of the grain of the universe, the rhythm of heaven. We're out of tune. We're playing the wrong song. And we feel like there must be something. And I'm just telling you in the resurrection, that's where it's at. That you can be before God in right relationship that Jesus came and died and rose for your sins to bring you into shalom. If that's you here and you're saying, yes, I need to call out. I need a savior. Yes, I don't want a low-level savior. I want the right savior. And I need help. And I'm ready to experience shalom. With your heads bowed, because I would love just for those who want to pray this prayer with me. And I'll lead you in the same prayer I prayed when I was young. And I'll help you call out like I called out. And God responded, if that's you, can you just look right up at me? I'm the only one looking at you. Can you just look at me? If, you, if that's you, yeah, I'm with you. Just keep looking at me. There's so many people. I want to tell you that when you do cry out, he will meet you there. And from here on out, for the rest of your life, and for forever, you will be in his shalom. You, you will experience peace even when you're in a hurricane of this unrenewed world. You will experience shalom. I don't say your life will be perfect, and I don't think it will be always easy, but you can return to the moment of I am in shalom. I am in his peace. He gave me his peace. I have his peace. I'll live in this peace. And then you'll learn to live out shalom like Jesus did that brings peace to people around you. And that's what churches, Christians are called to do. Not to bring suffering, but to bring justice, and righteousness, and love, and kindness, meekness, 
patience. That's shalom. So those of you who lifted your hands, could you just pray this prayer with me? And it's very simple. This is your cry out prayer. Jesus, I need you. I invite you in to sit with me, to be with me. I, I, I need you. You're my savior. You bring me to shalom. I realize I've been looking for life in dead places. And I'm, I'm sorry that that's where I was. But I choose life. So I thank you for saving me. And I ask for your strength to live my life out in your shalom. Help me be what you were able to do and be for others to the best of my ability. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for praying that prayer with me. And I want to thank you guys for joining us for Easter. Could you sing this last song as we celebrate life amongst the living and those who have lived with us today? <laughs>